Hi, and welcome back to Not A Perfect Parent, the podcast where we share the extraordinary wisdom of ordinary parents. I can't tell you how happy I am today to be chatting to Shani. She is a mum of two boys, and she made the amazing decision, along with her husband, to move their family from a busy life in London up to the Highlands when their boys were small. We talk about how easy it is to become lost and not notice how you're feeling in parenthood and how to find your way back. Hi, Shani. Hi. Thanks for coming on Not A Perfect Parent. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your parenting journey, where you're at at the moment? We are in... We are in an interesting period at the moment where my six-year-old is currently looking at getting diagnosed with ADHD and my three-year-old has just started nursery. So he's learning how to be independent and living his best life uh, at home as well. He's trying to assert his independence and show us his boss at the moment. So that's all, it's all happening. Nice, three-nager. Yeah. <laughs> And tell us a little bit about what your expectations were when you became a parent. Oh, mate, I was just expecting it all to just be easy, you know, like, you know, kind of like TV style parenthood where you you just, you know, you say things and they get done or you you wake up and you look like Miss Honey from Matilda or something, <laughs> you know, like everything is just, you know, this golden world of perfection. I think... I didn't really have any kind of idea of what parenting was because in my circle, I was one of the first parents, even like amongst my cousins. I think I was one of the first of my generation, the older generation of my cousins, they're about 10 years older or whatnot. I didn't get to see, you know, all the aspects of parenting. I just saw them when I used to go and visit and stuff. And, and obviously when people come and visit, everyone puts on their best face to give that impression of, you know, everything's fine and stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of them were fine as well. But obviously you don't see, like I said, you don't see all the kind of, you don't see the dirty nappies, peepees getting flown in the air and the late nights of not being able to latch on when breastfeeding or they're latching too hard or they've got tongue tie or, you know, all those million things that can happen when you're a parent or a first-time parent with newborn as mental. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? And and as you were saying that, I was thinking, where do we get it from? Because it, it self-perpetuates. Where do we get this idea that it's got to be perfect and then all act like it? How has this continued? I don't know. I don't know if it's Hollywood or what. I, I honestly don't know because so you're not there when your parents have had kids, right? You're, you're just living it and you have no memory of that. And then when you look back in your childhood as well, you see the, you know, the fun aspects, maybe the darker aspects as well, but you don't see it from your parents' perspective. You see it from your own perspective. Mm. I honestly don't know where we get this idea. And I think now it's starting, those barriers are all kind of like coming down and people are being more candid and more open. And you find things out now, like, you know, I go to the kids' playgroup and all the mums are together, all the parents are together. Sometimes it's a bit of a rant and we'll just have a cup of tea and be like, oh, you never guess what this one did last night. And everyone you realise is in similar places, depending on where their kids are at age-wise, where they're at mentally as well. There's so much you don't realise can affect you as a parent as well. When I look back and I think there's certain things that make us, not just parents, but as people, 
your your own person, then you're with your partner, and then you've got your kids, and you just throw that all in like this mix, and you're just all trying to function. <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? You think it's a family unit that functions in one way, but it's only as, as strong as its parts, isn't it? And we all we're not robots we all have our ups and downs yeah what was it like for you then the realization that it's more complicated than the expectation that we have before we start uh it was very I don't think I realized it until you know when you're in it you don't realize it or I personally didn't when I was in the thick of it I didn't realize and then I think my husband he's like such a great partner Thanks. And he was <laughs> in that moment he walks in with a cup of tea. With a cup of tea. <laughs> you know, where I was lacking, he was trying to pick up on I mean pick up on my slack in some sense. But then the pressure was just building on him as well. You know, it was only when things would get too much for him that he'd say, you know, like I really we need to do something, you know, we need like, you know, we need to come up with a system because he's very systematic when he thinks mm. about things. He needs in structure and system sort of thing. So for him, it was like, we need to fix whatever the problem is. So we need to figure it out. And I was like, I don't know how to figure it out because I didn't feel like there was a problem. It was about admitting to myself that there's, you know, maybe there's issues of since having a kid that I need to deal with. There was a moment after I'd had an orc, gone back to work. So I worked two days a week and he, an orc must've been about a year old because he was walking. I'd come back from work and my husband was like, you know, they're just not being cooperative today. They, I don't know what's going on with them. They just keep screaming and crying and breaking down. I, you know, I need help. So I got home as fast as I could. I got home and he said, I need I need a break. I need to get out of here. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And I just assumed he was just going to go like see one of his mates or something. And I said, yeah, cool. I'll, bet I'll get them into the bath, get them into bed, do the routine or whatever. And he was like, okay, cool. He goes, oh, I'm going to, I got him into the bath and he was like, okay, I'm going, staying the night in Onyx or something, which is a bit further out from where we live. And I was like, oh, okay. Took his stuff and went. And it hadn't actually hit me that he had taken his stuff and he'd gone because I was still in, let's get the bath done. Let's get bedtime done. And got the kids to bed, came downstairs and he wasn't here. And I was like, all oh, right. I texted him. I was like, are you coming back? And he goes, not tonight. He goes, but I'll be back in the morning. And I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, I thought you were just going and that was it. Like you're not coming back or something. I'd like, cause we hadn't actually talked about any of it. Usually he loves to talk. So he'll talk about his issues or anything like that, but he just needed to get out. And that's the first time in our marriage, I think that he even needed to do that. But he's like, yeah, I just need a night. He hadn't slept in like a week because the younger one was up every night. So he's like, I just need one full night's sleep. I'll stay in a, in a room in Onyx and I'll come back. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. And that, I don't know what happened. It's like a switch. I think it was the first time I'd had a moment to myself since having the kids. The realisation that even he couldn't deal with the pressure. I have no idea, but I just cried for like, I think about four hours straight, just on and off, just cried. And probably the first time, I don't know, since I was a kid, since I cried properly. And then the next morning, I just felt like a different person. He came back and we chatted and we just talked about what we need from each other as, as a couple and what we need as parents as well. We just need a break or how we give ourselves breaks and whatever. 
it just felt like a burden had been lifted almost. Like a, I don't know, like a weight just got picked up. And I don't know, still have like day, good days and bad days and stuff, and you know, harder days. And it's not like, it's not like the weight lifted and I became a perfect person or a perfect parent. It just meant that I could accept that things weren't perfect and that I didn't have to be perfect and that I just needed to keep working and trying to make things easier on all of us and as a team as well yeah what a relief because those it's like those expectations like you say of perfection that we don't even know we have are external so we're always trying to put our individual situation into those boxes and it doesn't fit and it's so interesting like you say how you can sort of drift because you're so busy doing that's there to be done isn't it that's that switch just flipped when you realize that something's different something's broken the round and round we go every day and wow that's that's really powerful isn't it I felt like rather than thriving we were just treading water all the time Mm. that was even after moving up here you know into highlands and being in a different environment and stuff that that all made things better but I don't think there's like this magic wand thing that will just make situations go away sort of thing. So you just got to to still keep working on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the only thing you can really control, isn't it? But it's hard. Like you were saying there, you were working, you were meeting the needs of two really young children. And your second son was about one, you said, which meant you'd become a mother again. And your husband had become a father quite soon before that. So Mm. there's a lot of huge things going on. So it's kind of hard to find yourself in all of that, I would imagine, sometimes. I think with my husband as well, like he kind of moves at like a a thousand miles an hour. He's There's always something going on. From very early on in our marriage, we were, there was always something happening. Like we had a, you know, we had a restaurant and then we, we finished with the restaurant and then he was working on a book, which he's still working on. And then... He was doing stuff in the community and then obviously the kids as well. And then the move up here and it's, and it's not through any fault of his, his either. It's just the way that things kind of moved, but it's all, it was all happening so fast, I guess, that you just kind of plow through it and you just get on with it because you have to. And if you stop, then there'll be even bigger issues. So you just kind of like, you just got to keep going, keep going, keep going like a train, I guess. But I suppose if you keep going downhill at a certain speed, something's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. And what you've said is really amazing because you said that something changed in you that day. Of course, it wasn't all that day, but something changed. So your external circumstances didn't change, but how you felt about them did. And I think sometimes we get trapped thinking, I can't feel any different about this situation because it's it's about the components in it, which can be really difficult. But actually, sometimes it's where we've got to so change is possible or there is another way of feeling Mm. that can be quite freeing yeah and the other thing is what I realized afterwards was that even though I could on I could be honest with a lot of the people in my circle with certain things when it came to like what was going on in my head you know the negativity or like just the I don't know, that, that feeling of being so down that you just, you didn't even want to get out of bed, that kind of feeling where you don't want to leave the house or you just don't want to do anything. You don't want to even, you're doing it because you have to. With kids, you don't really have that choice. You, you know, you have to get out of bed. You mm. can't, can't stay in bed because it 
my kids would physically get me out. But I couldn't be that honest with the people around me. And it's not because of them. It's mm. not like they were going to judge me or anything like that. But I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't be that candid or honest with them. And I don't know why we have that. Maybe as a society, we have that. I don't know. Yeah. What does it mean about you to say, I've got this negativity? What's in the way? Like a wall, isn't it? Yeah. I think as well, the kind of place that I feel, this role that I've had, like even growing up, and it's one of those ones where I've never, you know, it's it's not like I've I've advertised myself as this person, but I suppose, I don't know, it's like a viable something, I don't know. I've always kind of been that person where people come to me, almost like an agony aunt, where people tell me their, their issues or their problems or their thoughts or their whatever's going on with them and I'm not necessarily the person that gives advice I'm just sometimes just a listening ear but I've never really gone to anyone else Mm. never really I don't know I've never really spoken to anyone else about my kind of issues or whatever I might have just never really spoken about them and I think maybe that role in your head kind of makes you think other people have got things loads of stuff going on you don't need to go and like be telling them your issues and stuff I don't know maybe that's why i I'd never felt like I needed to or maybe I felt like I shouldn't have spoken to anyone else wow yeah and that's so hard when those things arise in you and you said it was when your second son was one so how had it been for you when Sook Dev was born oh man that was hard I had quite a rough, rough pregnancy with him and then I had a really rough labor with him and then recovering from that labor was really difficult I was in that kind of very I'm quite a stubborn person as well and I was in this very kind of like stubborn mental state where I was like no I can do this when it came to breastfeeding I took it as like this mental challenge almost that I I was going to do it at all costs I wasn't going to give him from milk from the bottle I don't know why it's not like anyone said to me you know you shouldn't or it's just one of those things I just took it and ran with it he had tongue tie like quite a severe tongue tie as well which when it got released made things easier but it's still because you know the baby's got to learn how to reuse their tongue and stuff and get a good latch neither of my kids had very good latches that used to cause issues with them as well they got too much air getting in and then both of them were they couldn't have dairy so that meant I couldn't have dairy if I was breastfeeding and at the time I was vegetarian so that that meant essentially becoming vegan which was took a toll on me as well because I was hard you know you're hardly eating and then you're kind of like you can't have dairy either as a vegetarian it's like what are you going to eat if you can't eat cheese so then you're like (laughs) I was so stubborn as well that I was like no no I'm not going to do it I'm not going to do it but that meant I was losing weight and I was feeling rough as well and then so they used to sleep two hourly periods right up until like he was about Three. It felt like he was 30, but he was three. And then he'd wake up every two hours on the dot like a robot. His eyes would open, he'd sit up, drink milk for about probably about six minutes as he got older and then go back to sleep. But it was wow. every, every two hours on the dot. Um, that did me in as well, man, the lack of sleep. So I, 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 don't, I don't actually know if, if it was postnatal depression or sleep deprivation or what but it all was having definitely a mental toll taking its taking its toll it's something that people talk about so dismissively isn't it for new parents is the lack of sleep but that is it's going to have an impact isn't it on every 
area of your life and then when you have to go back to work and it's still going on yeah were you running a restaurant at that time as well we were but after I had him I was spent I stayed at home as he got older I would swap with my husband when he went on solids he was having a lot of less milk during the day so then it meant my husband could have him during the day because I, I used to pump but he wouldn't take a bottle he wouldn't even he wouldn't accept the bottle but generally speaking my husband was mostly at the restaurant which was difficult because it just meant I was at home with the little one like pretty much all day and I that isolated person I suppose because I, I didn't put myself out there either mm. um, so it's meant I'd spend pretty much all day talking to myself or the dog and the, and the little one very very isolating at the time and the, obviously the lack of sleep so what I'd do during the day was if he was napping then I'd try and nap Oh, I, I did get a lot of support from like, you know, my husband's brother and his cousin and, you know, wherever people could help, they they mm. would come over and be like, you know, go to have a nap, go, you know, even just go upstairs for a bit, get a bit, bit of a break. But generally speaking, yeah, it was me and the baby. Wow. And then you did something quite drastic and amazing, didn't you? And had a big move. What can you tell us about that? Well, me and my husband... Shortly after getting married, we, we came up to the Highlands just on like a, just on a trip to get away. So you were living in London? Yeah, we were living in London and he he was working with someone from Scotland and she said, oh, you know, you would love going up to the Highlands or whatever. And he was like, okay. And he looked into it and he was like, okay, let's do this. So we drove up and we did like a bit of a tour of the, the Western Highlands and up to Isle of Skye and just fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with the place big part of it was that the people were just so friendly you know there's times where me and my husband have been to other places in the country and just haven't felt as welcome and we come up here and everyone just treated us like gold yeah so we you know like in the back of our minds or in conversation like oh it'd be amazing to live up there and then we came a few times before having Sukhdeer we kept coming up here to visit and then we said oh you know you know we would move up here when maybe Sukhdeer was five you know, so that the grandparents could spend loads of time with him. And then we realised after having him that made more sense for us to move up here sooner because even though he, you know, the grandparents loved him and he was getting time with them, it wasn't as often as we'd hoped. No, for nobody's fault, it was everyone's working full time. It just meant that if we'd come up here sooner, we would have the time with him as well because he was getting to that age where he would need to go into like a you know a preschool you know kind of nursery in order for us to be able to make sure that we would be able to financially be stable and but then that means obviously you're paying for the preschool so you'd have to make a certain way um, wage to cover the bills and all that sort of stuff so all that sort of stuff was stressing us out and then my husband was always looking on right move and he just found a, a property and was like you know what do you think and I was like well it looks fab and he came up here and he had a look at it and then he was like, I think I want to put an offer on. And I was like, okay. I hadn't seen it yet, but I was like, okay, cool. It took about a year to refurbish the place because it's quite an old place. And then we moved up here. We did it. And it's just, we've never looked back with, on that kind of side of things. I've always felt like this was the best thing that we ever did. People-wise and just environment for the kids-wise. And just for us, it meant that we have a little bit more freedom to be with them the way that we want to as parents Mm. and it's probably hard to remember now because it was a while ago but 
it's a brave thing to do, isn't it? There was a risk there. Moving to any new area, you go, I'm not sure how I'm going to like it. But that big jump from being with your family around you, although they might not have always been available, that's that's brave. I think, like I said, I'm quite stubborn. So for me, <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't see why I can't do this, you know, like in my head. And my husband's quite like that as well. He's kind of like, you know, once he gets makes his mind up about something, he's going to do it. And I'm pretty sure he probably would have done it without me. if it <laughs> It just made complete sense to us. And, you know, it ticks all the boxes and you're kind of like, well, why wouldn't we then? And then we were just like, okay, let's go. We do miss our families as well. Yeah. We didn't see COVID happenings. We do try to go down and, and visit them as often as possible, or they come up here. But because you know, my, my husband's really close to his brother as well, and even for myself, like I mean, his brother's been like an older brother for me as well. So it was, you know, it was it was a big adjustment not being around that and my parents and siblings and stuff. It's just it is a it's a massive change. But I think because it was like I said, I had a little one, and I just I got the job up here like a local job up here right before we moved so I went straight into that at the same time my nan passed away from cancer after moving up here um and then we were refurbishing this place you know everything seemed like I said everything was moving at such a fast pace that you don't give yourself a chance to even think about like oh this is hard you know you're just plowing on with it and then I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism in after moving here like in April or something like that so about five months after moving here um so then that, that kind of made things make sense as well because I was like well I do feel exhausted all the time like when I sit down I feel like I can't stand back up so that kind of made sense and once getting medication for that that meant that it made things easier you're just going at su- such a fast pace it's only when you stop to think about it that it starts to hit you we've had some friends move up recently in the last few months one of them was brought up in the same place as my husband so they grew up on the same estate oh wow and then, yeah so they've moved up and it's only after talking to them that you realize certain things as well like his wife says how do you do it without the community support as well because like, we're from the Sikh community and we mm. you know my husband was very involved we've, we've had to rejig things to to be up here and we do things in different ways now and it is all a big adjustment. One of the things that we tell ourselves that we need to kind of stop doing as well is once the teething stage is over, we'll do this. Or, you know, once the once he starts sleeping through the night, we'll do this. Or once he's, you know, once he's toilet trained, we'll do this and stuff like that. So now we're kind of trying to tell ourselves that if it's something that's that we want to do for ourselves, we're just going to do it now. We're not going to wait. Because mm. I don't think there's any perfect moment. And we always tell ourselves, just wait for that perfect moment. But sometimes you just need to just take that step. I mean, it has taken six years to come to that realisation. That's so true, isn't it? Wow, we're all waiting. Because I think the road ahead, you go, oh, it'll be easier when. And actually, you'll just have another different kind of challenge, won't you? A different kind of life. You just think the headache of having to deal with whatever that kid's going through and, and then dealing with what you want to do. And you're just like, oh, no, nah, that's, that's long. I don't really want to do that. And then actually, nah, just do it, man. Now, now we've just been like, just do it. It's not going to get easier. How yeah. do you think it's transformed your parenting being up there? I mean, your life as a family, how is it different than it would have been? You were very, very busy, weren't you, in London? Yeah, we were very busy in London. And I think I went from being this very active person to just withdrawing within myself. 
and becoming very lonely and just coming up here meant that we had that community. I mean, you've got to put yourself out here up here as well. You know, it would have been very easy for us to just kind of come up here and just stay as a couple, kept ourselves to ourselves. But I think putting ourselves out there as well has meant that we've got some really good circles. We can rely on people and they can rely on us as well. You know, like today, I just felt like it's been a few months of we've been doing refurbishments and we're refurbishing the room right now for my husband's nan to come live with us mm. which is amazing you know, it's gonna be great for the kids and stuff as well to have her here so we just kind of like do the school run and then it's like okay what can we do in, the, in that that six hour period that's like the most productive as we can be get sometimes two three meals on and we're stockpiling on meals and freezing them and then cleaning the house and then organizing this trying to do paperwork do phone calls that we can't do when the kids are around and then sort the sort the contractors out and make sure that they're all set up today I was like you know what I haven't been on a walk with my friends and they live in the village now when Mm. I say that they're like they live literally a two-minute walk from my house and I see them on a school run there's no real reason why I was like you know today I'm gonna go on a walk with these girls there's stuff that needs doing and it's still gonna be waiting for me when I get back but I think I need this. So I just went and I felt so good coming back afterwards and just having, just getting a crack with them and just talking and getting that fresh air and wind in your face, moving your body and like just needed those endorphins. And you don't realize it until you're in it. And I was like, oh man, this feels so good. And then I came home and I was like, I feel so much better. I didn't know, I didn't know I was feeling bad, but I feel better than I did anyway. And that's connection with yourself, isn't it? And that's having the time to do that to be able to say what do I actually need today sometimes you've got to spend a bit of energy to get a bit of energy haven't you like going on a walk yeah and sometimes you almost feel guilty when you do something for yourself as a parent that's not for your kids Mm. it's not involving your kids time wise as well setting aside that time sometimes it's like you you need that like five minutes my husband was like today make sure you get that five minutes of meditation in and I was like when am I going to get five minutes and I was like no I do need to set five minutes aside it's only five minutes sometimes you just scroll through your phone for five minutes yeah so you could do that for five minutes and you can sit for five minutes and just do a little meditation and and I swear to you it makes you feel a different person afterwards yeah I love that bite-sized wellness is very underrated isn't it because what you do instead is nothing so <laughs> it's no difference made I came back from that walk and I was just lay on the bed and I just stay there. And I was like, in my head, you know, like I could almost hear my parents. And it's not like my parents were like mm. tyrannical or anything like that, but I could almost hear that parental voice in my head, like, why are you lying down for? <laughs> like, why are you lying down? There's things to be done. Like, why are you lying down for, you know? And I was just like, no, I have to lie down right now. I need to straighten my back. I need five minutes to just prep myself before I go clean the bathroom. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> So when have you, like all of us, felt like not a perfect parent? I feel like it, because sometimes I do snap. And sometimes I do feel like, like it does get too much for me. And then I'm like, I just, I'm, I, don't, I don't ever feel like, I don't think I ever feel like a perfect per- parent. I don't ever feel like this is, this is the pinnacle. I feel like I'm a good parent. And I do feel like I try and give my best to the kids when I can, but sometimes I can't. There's days where I'm on my period and I'm like, this is heavy and this is painful. So I'm going to stay in bed for a little while longer this morning before I get up. Or, 
you know, I've had a long day at work and it's so long. Uh, my husband, like I say, my kids are asserting their independence at the moment. So like I went to go pick my six-year-old up from the park after work and he was like, no, I'm not going to come today. And I was like, you're not going to get in the car. I've just come to pick you up. And he was like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, breathe. You know, you're just trying to like force yourself from, you know, not being that nineties parent of just going into the play area and dragging him out of that play area. But you're just like, nope. I was like, I went, I went home. I said to my husband, you're going to have to pick up our son from the park because I can't do that right now. So he went, brought him home. And my son very sheepishly came and apologized and was like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, should I? Mama? I was like, no, I don't feel great right now, said Dave. I don't feel like you're, you know, respecting me as a parent or respecting me as another person who's come to help you and bring you home. And he was like, no, I'll try my best next time, though. Uh, he was like, do you accept my apology? I was like, yes. In, in, inside, you're just like seething. <laughs> just in rage, <laughs> total rage mode. Every day is like a challenge or a, you know, something else that comes up. I love that though. There's the ways you can look at everything, isn't there? And I think that's an example of amazing modeling. I'm removed myself from a situation. I recognize my own needs. And he's obviously learned enough already to know, oh, I've hurt somebody else. There's ways that you can look at that. But it's like what we were saying about the cookie cutter parent. It's messier than that. It's more complicated than that. So it's just about the way we navigate that yeah, messiness. Yeah, because there's days I'll come back, maybe my husband's away for the weekend for work or whatever, and I'll I'll have both the kids and they, I don't know, maybe they're not cooperating that day and they just want to do their own thing or, you know, something set them off like an illness or whatever. So they're a bit more sensitive. So they're crying more and they're both kicking off, screaming at me or whatever. And eventually it does get to me as well. I'm like, okay, we all need to just get a break. And sometimes you're even trying to remove yourself from that situation. There's nowhere to go. Like, yeah. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll go to my room and they'll just follow me to my room. Or at one point I was, I brought my kids home from school one day and the eldest was crying because he wanted to go to the park, but it was raining. And the youngest was crying because he wanted to stay in the car and drive the car. And I was like, well, we're not doing that. And you know, I was like, we just need to get you in, both in and fed and you'll both be fine. But neither of them wanted to do that. So the youngest had a tantrum and cried outside the back door for about 15 minutes. And the youngest went and sat on the stairs and cried for about 15 minutes. And I just stood in the garden and I messaged my husband. I was like, yeah, they're having a bad day today. I'm having a bit of a bad day today, but I'm just going to message you so I can get it off my chest. I feel better. And then I just yelled into the hills. Luckily, I haven't got many neighbours around me and just yelled into the hills we all felt a bit better, came back inside, had something to eat, and then everyone just went quiet. <laughs> you know what? You're the second mother this week who's told me about just throwing back her head and screaming in the middle of a difficult situation. And I th- always think about it when it's me and I, I'm doing it, like a um, computer. It's just like you can only open so many things before it crashes. And it's like that, isn't it? If you just have this and this and this and this, eventually you're at capacity. There's no more that can go in. You can't think anymore to be able to find a solution. But recognising that is all you can do, isn't it? Yeah. And then like, and giving yourself that, what's the word? Like, I don't know if it's freedom or giving yourself that space to be like, yeah, 
I, I need to reset. And you know what? Five minutes ago, that weren't great. But now we can try again. Like, now we can start from scratch. And I always say that to my kids as well. Like, okay, you screwed up. But now we're going to try again. And we're going to give it our best, right? We're going to just try give it our best shot. And, you know, we're not going to hold it against ourselves. Mm. And I'm not going to hold it against the kids either. Like, you know, you know, there's loads of time where the eldest generally will be like, oh, I messed up. And I'm like, yeah, you did mess up. I'm not going to hold it over him, though. Like, you never thrown your socks in the laundry. And I'm trying to find a scenario right now, but, you know, the socks have never been in that laundry basket. Yeah, they're never in the wash. Remember the socks? So, like, I'm not going to do that to him because I wouldn't want that done to me. Yeah, yeah. It's easier, isn't it, to be harder on your kids or to have really high expectations of them. And something that I've always felt like when we've spoken is that you've always come at it from how they might perceive a situation yeah and it's, it's hard man because like I say with, with Instagram and social media and stuff there's there's so much going on at the moment and there's all the extra stuff like you know the cost of living crisis and everything mm-hmm. all those like, extra pr- pressures I feel really privileged right now to be like you know having that partner that I can tag team with I need a break breather I need you to swap or whatever I'm very privileged financially to be able to be like, I can be with the kids for longer periods and I can spend that extra time with them and I can I can spend that time working on how to try and set them up as best I can. Whereas a lot of parents, you know, at the moment working full time and then well, they've got extra kids and they've got no support or you know, their partners are not interested or it's just so many of these things that they're finding a lot difficult. So it's easy for me to be like, you know, I went to the park and then I gave him that space and stuff. But if I was working full time, I might be a different person and be like, no, get in the car now. We're going mm. home. You know, like, because I ain't got that time to wait for him. Yeah. And this is what we were talking about before we sort of started around the difference between support and competition, because we can acknowledge where we are and say, well, I might do something different in that situation. So there's no judgment on you if you had done but there's still so much we can learn from each other I think yeah definitely like there's some things trying to think of scenarios now but I always lose it when I'm like in the moment but um there's some things that I definitely feel like I need to work on definitely my patience when it comes to certain things like I hate being late I really like I don't it's probably like some sort of weird toxic thing that I've learned and grown up with but I hate the idea of people thinking that I'm this disorganized late person. I can't put that on my kids though, even though I do want them to be on time for things like school and things like that. But I also can't put that pressure on them and being because it's coming from me almost because it's my issue. But I, I like I know it's something that I need to work on. So instead of being like from eight o'clock getting them ready for, for school, I start at seven. And don't stop so that I know that it gives us that time to then leave the house at the correct time and give them that space, though, to be kids in that time. Because I know kids lose their focus, you know, getting their shoes on or like getting their jacket on or brushing their teeth or whatever. So just being able to give them the space to refocus and be kids and take their time having their breakfast or whatever, rather than being on them the whole time. Because that's on me, because that's something that I need to deal with. 
that's such a great example as well because I have the same issue and it's like I know if I haven't provided that space beforehand and um, which I don't always do for whatever reason then I get stressed out and in turn they get stressed out it's a total knock-on and like you say it began with me if I had owned that and again it's giving yourself grace well I didn't that day because I had other stuff so it's it's not about judging is it it's just about learning and learning what your triggers are because half the time you won't even know them until your kids turn up in the world (laughs) yeah I don't know about half my triggers until I've had kids and got married as well and had my husband around but (laughs) socks I'm telling you the socks is a trigger I try not to like let it get to me but if I see socks in the house that aren't in a drawer or in a laundry basket I'm triggered so I try like like I'll come home and I'll be like oh who's uh whose socks are they on the floor <laughs> in the laundry basket because inside the rage is like why are the socks on the floor? exactly and it's you know what it's those things sometimes isn't it is what we were saying about like it's being a family unit and actually it having all its component parts is those things sometimes somebody's trigger that can scupper a whole day like that's the beginning of the downhill slope and you get to the bottom and you think what's happened and it's because we've all got those things yeah I thought we got a very long list of triggers combine my triggers with my husband's triggers and then you try to you know mitigate it but your kids from a young age start having their own triggers yeah whatever kind of environmental or whatever they may be you know so they've when he was just turned three lockdown hit and it was hard on him because he had only just started nursery for like a month and then suddenly he was cut off from everyone and it was good because we could get out but at the same time he had no friends had no kids to play with didn't wasn't seeing any family and he just, you know, it was having these kind of effects on him that when I look back, I can totally understand now. But at the time, you're just you're a pregnant lady with <laughs> he was just trying to get through every day. Uh, but he was, you know, the, he was he was having his own little you know issues and stuff as a three year old. And they've had their effects on him, even though he's six. They're still there. You know, there's little kind of niggling issues that were were, were about then. So, yeah, the kids have their own issues. Anouk was a lockdown baby. He's not antisocial. He's not as sociable, if you know what I mean. He's he's not so much a people person. He's quite, he doesn't really love crowds or anything like that. And he doesn't know my parents as well as Dave does. When I go with Sukkar, he'll just go and like chill with my mum in another room or they'll sleep together or whatever. Where Anouk basically sees him as almost as strangers. Like he sees him through the screen, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, and lockdown had a huge part to play in that. What do you feel like you've learned on your parenting journey? I've learned that I have strengths and weaknesses and that I'm not superhuman, which I, I think is a great thing because it, it's not just humbling, but it's also just grounding as well. And I've learned that I don't have to be superhuman to be a parent. and I don't have to be this you know miss honey from matilda i say that all, <laughs> i always see her as the pinnacle of like yeah. you know, this person that we all kind of look up to from a young age i don't know 90s kid or whatever but like you know i don't know maybe it was parents in 90s movies where they were all just lovely people 
you know so I, I think was, it's a great yeah. analogy because it's it's hard to meet the trunchbull in you isn't it <laughs> yeah no one wants to admit that they miss trunchbull <laughs> I love that it's true <laughs> yeah I think I think realizing that you're just human man and you're just you're going through your own little journey and then you've got kids who rely on you as well but outside of being a parent you're your own person as well has it changed things for you as a family to have a diagnosis Sukta? I think I feel like I don't know if it's a generational thing but I feel like there was a lot of stigma about things growing up when it came to mental health whether it came to like these diagnoses for ADHD dyslexia whatever it may be autism there was all the stigma about it but now I feel like just use it as a tool, you know, or use it, use it to help. I feel like with the diagnosis, it means that we can get him the help he needs. We can support him in the ways that we need to. We can, I call them the hacks, you know, we work out ways to help him get through life that help that works for him, you know, like when I go to dyslexia because one of my friends has dyslexia. So I kind of, kind of know they use the different sheets to be able to read clearer and things like that. And it's not necessarily like this a terrible thing. It just means that we just work differently to help them. And, you know, he struggles with focus. It just means that we give him more time to do things or like we'll help him with focusing. Um, so one of us with homework, one of us has to physically sit down and be with him to be with him to do his homework rather than expecting him to just get on with it himself. Um, having, you know, lowering your expectations in the sense of he does struggle. So rather than making him sit there and struggle with certain things, tasks, um, activities and things like that, just just I don't know, adapting and helping him with it. Mm. So he's, he's getting assessed at school and things like that. We are about 90 from doing research ourselves and like, I mean, proper research, not just, you know, Instagram reels or something, you know, like, I mean, properly reading into this um, and learning about it and speaking to other people who work with kids like this. I'm about 99% sure that he's got ADHD. Uh, the teachers have been amazing and his school's been amazing. And I think that's helped a lot. Um, they're always open to like working on new ways to help him and because um, he, he does sometimes struggle at school with focus and things like that I mean he does struggle quite a bit sometimes um, there was one point where he didn't want to be going to school um, some teachers like he really kind of clicks to, with so you know he was practically skipping to school some teachers kind of struggle with dealing with how he works so he was a bit more reluctant to go in but now you know he's got the right kind of support and stuff and they're kind of looking to help him and stuff it, it makes huge 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 difference um it's a small school as well so mm. his classes so they can give him a little bit more extra um attention and stuff in the class can i be i can only be positive i don't i don't, I don't want it to be uh i don't want it to hold him back if that makes sense mm. yeah it's more about it's being able to use that, isn't it, as a, a way of accessing support that you, you're not able to get without it. Yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't really, you need someone to be with him a lot of the time, especially in class. I mean, they can't really do that unless he's been diagnosed and they can have the, you know, the, the, the extra help in the classroom. 
And you've given us loads, but what is your piece of wisdom, your parenting takeaway? I would just say take every day as it comes, man. I think structure and routine are like your biggest supports, especially if you don't have, you know, the the village that mm. you need to, to help bring kids up. Kids thrive on routine as well. You'll thrive on, on routine. Like, I love the fact that sometimes I come home and I'll, I've planned out the day and I tick off what's happened, what I've done and what I'm going to be doing. And then I can then give them the best to the kids as well because my head's clear and it's even if I don't get to do what's on my list it's not in my head anymore it's on the piece of paper and now it's there so I know I'll get to it at some point it might not be today but it might be tomorrow the paper's responsibility (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I relate to that (laughs) yeah I don't know if that's wisdom but I hope it helps that is amazing thank you for being one of our not perfect parents thank you for having me thank you for joining us for this episode of not a perfect parent come back again next week for the extraordinary wisdom of another ordinary parent and if you've got a story to share and don't we all get in touch